0: So um, my name is the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero, and I'm the rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Midtown Houston. And this is Inner City Spirit, a podcast out of uh, Trinity Houston, which I host. During Lent this year, we are having conversations or interviews with people who are connected to Trinity and various organizations that we support to get to know them a little bit to check in and to hear uh, a little bit more about their uh, organizations and the mission. So today, my guest is the Reverend Canon Dr. Henry Lee Atkins, Jr. And I am so happy that he um Uh, was able to uh, make time for this interview. Uh, Reverend Atkins, would you please tell us a little about yourself, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about your connection to Trinity, to Houston, and to Midtown?
1: Uh, Thank you, Hannah. It's a joy to be with you this afternoon. Um, I'm a retired Episcopal priest uh I moved to uh, Houston five uh, over five years ago. Uh, I moved I moved here uh, to uh, 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 because I had some medical issues which were going to be dealt with at MD Anderson. I uh, during the, the process of moving, my daughter, the Reverend H- Hannah Atkins, <laughs> asked me if I would, uh, Considered being a, a canon theologian in residence at, at Trinity Church Midtown. While I was living in Houston, and I agreed to do that. I had uh, taught theology for many years, uh, uh, particularly at the uh, Instituto Pastoral Hispano at the General Seminary in New York City, but also in uh, uh, particularly in Central America. Uh, I uh, lived in Midtown. And uh, like uh, the Midtown area very much, uh, most of my life, uh, um, I, I have lived in uh, urban areas and uh, and uh, like very much uh, this uh, exciting Midtown area.
0: Great, thank you. So I like to start um, this this series asking some get to know you questions. Um, and so, the first question I'm going to ask you is, what's what is one of your favorite verses of Scripture?
1: Well, for many years I have always answered that question by saying it's actually the first six verses of the 21st chapter of Revelation. I, I believe that in many ways the Book of Revelation is the most political book in the Bible uh, in in terms of having a vision of the common good and how People should live together as a community. Uh, One of the single verses in the first six verse that has become more important to me is actually verse six, in which the the Lamb says, speaking for God, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, uh, and I will make all things new. I believe that we live in an age where it is important to realize the presence of God in the beginning of our creative order and how God moves through creation and that our end shall be in God, what uh, Y. Chardin called the the Christocentric Omega Center. Um, And that we should see God moving through creation, through the process of evolution, and that we are being made in spite of uh, our own resistance into a new creation.
0: That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, on, a, on another sort of plane, um, I wanted to ask you if you had come to have a favorite artist, a, H- a Houston artist.
1: Well, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day uh, before I... Uh, 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 before you asked me just now this question, uh, I believe that my favorite Houston artist is, uh, in fact, Andres Oscurasco Estrada, who was the musical director of the Houston Symphony. I love love it when uh, Andres conducts, uh, and uh, I, I think he's done a wonderful job with the Houston Symphony. My favorite Texan artist, who used to sing in Houston a lot and particularly uh, at some of the clubs that no longer exist in Houston is is Towns Van Sant and I I I, I like uh, I like to listen to the music of Towns Van Sant a lot I th- I think he was a genius
0: and great great lyricist all right and is there a song on the that has kind of run uh, over and over again in your mind during as we approach a year in this pandemic in Houston, is there a song you would put on the pandemic playlist?
1: Well, I was I to to stick with the with the, the two answers I gave before. One from classical music, <laughs> I, I I've had Mozart's Requiem playing through my head a lot during this pandemic, and, <laughs> as I thought about the issue of death. And how many people have in yeah. fact died, not only in our society but in uh, worldwide? And how it's yeah. important to acknowledge that and uh, not seek to deny it, as so often happens in our culture. The other is a very popular Towns Van Sant song, "If, if I Needed You," <laughs> because I've often thought, uh, as uh, uh, during this pandemic, as One of the things that we have learned is that we do very easily today move into situations where it becomes clear how we are an interdependent people and rely on each other and how much we miss each other when we are not together. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. So um, besides being um, the canon theologian at Trinity, and um, my dad, you are also um, a member of AA and have 30, how many years? 34 years in recovery, which is an incredible accomplishment. And one of the most moving um, times at Trinity for me was when we uh, had our first... Um, recovery Eucharist, and and you preached, and you preached such a moving sermon, and and your testimony um, just you know was one in which um, so so honest and um, so powerful, and hopefully uh, moved folks to um, seek uh, help and to continue in their recovery. And so um, you uh, are very open about being part of the AA group at Trinity, and I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about the mission and importance of AA and uh, and the Trinity group in particular.
1: Um, well, I, I want to say something before I begin, is that, uh, you know, the, the AA's name is Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, <clears throat> we don't uh, give out the names of members of AA, I mean, you can come to AA without having to tell anyone who you are, and people are not supposed to tell other people who you are. Uh, On the other hand, if you as an individual feel that it is helpful in terms of the recovery of other people, then you can reveal your membership in in the organization. And in interviews such as this are preaching uh, on Recovery Sunday. So I feel that I am engaged in the latter. At least I hope I am. And certainly uh, everyone in the world knows the last name of Bill Wilson, the founder of AA. Uh, But almost no one knows the last name of Dr. Bob, the co-founder. So we (laughs) have uh, both traditions represented. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The... the specific question again was in relation to
0: well the mission of AA um, and and how the sort of the character maybe of the Trinity Group. Um,
1: First, let me let me say about the vision of AA. What is um, what is sometimes misunderstood is uh, is that AA is not what is uh, traditionally called a self, self-help self group. Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program. Uh, yeah. uh, one of the things that many people, particularly in our own church, in the Episcopal Church, do not know is that uh, uh, in 1935, when uh, uh, AA was starting and uh, very young, The the movement was, in fact, centered in Calvary Episcopal Church in New York City, and a prime influence in that movement on Bill Wilson and the other members was the Reverend Samuel Shoemaker, who was the rector of Trinity Church. Also, even though they weren't such good members, maybe, but Bill Wilson was also raised an Episcopalian, as was Dr. Bob Smith, as a matter of fact, Dr. Bob Smith used to sing in uh, in the choir at St. Thomas Church at Dartmouth, where I also served. And uh, I met many people who knew Dr. Bob when he was there. Um, now, wow. Bill Wilson later became a Roman Catholic, but he was deeply, deeply influenced by uh, Sam Shoemaker in the early days of the movement. Um, The movement was also influenced by other spiritual traditions, the Roman Catholic tradition, uh, Father S.J. Ford, Father Downing in the beginning, uh, and the 12 Steps of AA, uh, although written by Bill Wilson, uh, he was very clear that he was drawing on other spiritual traditions, uh, the Bible, uh, Ignatian exercises, uh, and was also... So again, uh, guided in this procedure by uh, Sam Shoemaker, the rector of Calvary Church uh, in New York City. So I think it's important to realize that uh, we are talking about a program that calls one to a form of spiritual formation and development, which can liberate one on a daily basis from addictive power. Uh, And as uh, most people know, the AA model has been used now for many, many addictions, whether you're talking about drugs or uh, weight loss, uh, there are uh, many, many programs that have begun to use that model. Um, The model uh, uh, is based on the fact that you admit that you uh, are in the grips of addiction, that you are, uh, so to speak, enslaved by the power of addiction. St. Paul says uh, that we struggle uh, with powers and principalities. And one of the ways of thinking about addiction is, in fact, that we struggle with a power, or what he called a principality. Uh, We acknowledge in AA uh, that we have a a problem. We we live in a society which uh, is a very addictive society. Uh, I believe that a cultural motto for our society could be uh, enough is always more, and Mm -hmm. we want more all the time. And that is, in fact, a sort of definition of addiction.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: We believe that when we come into AA, that we are coming into a community of what uh, the late Roman Catholic pastoral theologian Henry Nouwen called a a community of wounded healers. We come into a community where people have known addiction they have known the wounds of addiction. And they have also experienced being set free from those wounds and that addiction. And uh, you know, there is an African saying that says that it takes a village to raise a child. In AA, we believe that it takes a community to sober up a drunk and allow the person to live uh, uh, a sober life. Um, In AA, we not only attend meetings, but we we began to incorporate into our lives in such a way that uh, they become a way of life for us. The twelve steps of AA, which are all drawn, as I said earlier, from various religious traditions, we began by uh, admitting that we are powerless over alcohol. Uh, that our lives have become unmanageable, and uh, and then we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity, and we surrender our our wills to God, our lives to God, and uh, believe that God can restore us to sanity, and mm-hmm. then pray on a daily basis for, for the will of God to be done in our lives. We also, at the personal level, again, also take... Uh, uh, personal inventory, we uh, admit our faults, uh, our defects of character to God and to another person, we ask God to humbly remove those, we seek to make amends, Uh, uh, we seek to take uh, inventory on on a daily basis, and we seek to practice these principles in all our affairs and to be open to be of service to other suffering alcoholics. Now, alcoholic anonymous groups uh, can vary uh, in terms of who's in the group uh, based on where they are geographically located. Um, But my own experience has been in various uh, uh, AA groups, and I have lived in various parts of the US while in AA, is that the the, the groups are very mixed. There is a there is a common saying in AA that some of us came into AA from Yale and some of us came in from jail. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you we all you, have
0: something in common, right?
1: <laughs> you all have something in common, and we are all in that group. Now, the 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 group at Trinity, the good times group, uh, has, uh, until we recently had to close down because of COVID COVID, uh, pandemic for a while. We literally had people who came from Yale and people who came from jail. We have people who are professionals. We have people who wander in off the street, who are homeless, who are suffering from addictions. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, uh, uh people who are uh, professionals in the city of Houston and people who are in their third halfway house. Uh, All of those people attend the AA meetings and all of them live in this community as recovering people. Uh, We also do not have any sort of chosen leaders in AA. There are there are no there's no such thing as the president of AA, mm-hmm. uh, and also the only requirement for membership in the AA is a desire to stop drinking. Anyone can say that they are an AA member if they have a desire to stop drinking.
0: So how did um, why is the Trinity Group called Good Times? The Good Times
1: Group. Well, we we believe that. Number one, when we come together as sober people, we have good times. And we believe that there are a lot of fake good times in the world, such as sitting around in a bar saying, yay, yay, isn't this great? (laughs) And then throwing up in the bathroom. (laughs) We we think that, that here together, sharing our experience, strength, and hope, we experience authentic joy. And it, it is uh, almost always people say that they feel better after they come to an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that they didn't always say that after they went home from the bar. Okay. Right. And yeah. after, the, the, or after they had an accident driving drunk or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That, um, uh, uh, and so it is called uh, Good Times because. The times we live now free from the, the addiction of alcohol on a daily basis uh, enables us to live uh, a, a, a more joyful life.
0: So um, you said something about that uh, you used the term drunk earlier, and that's not considered a derogatory term.
1: Well, it, you know, if, if you refer to someone on the street as a drunk, that's true it probably is. But in AA, people often refer to themselves as drunks. Uh, uh, I, I think Bill Wilson would often introduce himself as a drunk. My, my name is Bill W. and I'm a drunk. Uh, in AA, people uh, don't consider that uh, derogatory. They consider it more like being honest. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, if If there was someone in, as I could say the congregation in, in in Trinity who was not in AA and was drinking too much I never would call him or her a drunk
0: mm-hmm. yeah okay I, it's sort of like um uh, gallows humor that's not a good term but you know like just being honest I, I, I like that um so what do you think the reality of addiction um, uh, has has been? um Affected by the pandemic and the, the and the recent power loss disaster in Texas. I mean, how and not being able to meet in 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 person. Um, so, what are some of the struggles, I guess, that addicts are, are yeah. facing? Well,
1: the uh, alcoholism has. Uh, well, first of all, when you say we believe in AA that that uh, alcoholism is a disease. and in, in other words, there is a genetic component to uh, alcoholism. Uh, and people are probably born the, uh, that way and uh, are inclined towards certain addictive behavior because of the gene- genetic makeup. There are also other, other dimensions. Uh, which we speak of, um, uh, one of the things that is typical of uh, many alcoholics, not all. And I want to be very clear that <clears throat> although there are a variety of symptoms, not all people manifest the same symptoms. Right. Uh, uh, some people, for example, come into AA because they drove drunk and uh, uh, had an accident and were sent to jail and. Um, uh, some people uh, function at an incredibly high level most of their lives uh, uh, and uh, uh, are still pretty much able to function. Uh, the late Bishop of uh, Bishop of California, James Pike, said he drank at least six martinis a day while he was Dean of the Cathedral of Saint John the Divine in New York City, and. Uh, functioned rather admirably in the eyes of many many people so uh, uh, it is uh, it, 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 there are various symptoms and people mm-hmm. function at different levels um, but one of the primary characteristics is that many alcoholics love isolation because when you isolate no one can see how much you're drinking and, mm-hmm. and in other words uh, If you are home alone and you have the bottle, you can drink as much as you want. And your husband or wife or son or daughter or friend, no one's going to say that. that, Don't you think that maybe six drinks is enough? (laughs) No no one's going to do that. Uh, And the other thing is that if you are abusing alcohol and you feel awful, then you like to isolate because no one sees that you have bloodshot eyes or you have a severe headache or or some of the other symptoms. So any form of isolation is, for many alcoholics, a real temptation. Uh (laughs) That's number one. Number two, I think, is um, dealing with feelings is an issue for For all people. but the alcoholic, and I believe the alcoholic is genetically coded this way, believes that if you drug the feeling, you can deal with it better. In other words, if you are <clears throat> if you are feeling fear, <clears throat> then one of the things you can do is just have a couple of drinks and you don't have the fear anymore. Um, so in a time, when there is a pandemic and you might die, your loved ones might die, then the the temptation to deal with, say, fear by drugging it is very real. I believe, by the way, that we live in a society in which that issue is present for many, many people. You very often will hear a person who has had a trauma, such as a car wreck, their friend will say, oh, you need a drink. Come in and sit down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most likely, that's the last thing they need. Yeah. So um, dealing with uh, 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 emotions is an, another reality in terms of the pandemic. The third thing I would say is that facing <clears throat> into harsh realities is also a reason that some people drink and use drugs. Um, The reality may be that you lost your job and you can't pay your bills and you're not sure what you're going to do. So you you turn to alcohol and drugs because it gives you a relief. Uh, And certainly during the pandemic, we have, uh, we see, A lot of unemployment, for example, Mm -hmm. that could also be uh, uh, an issue. Um, There are, there are, of course, other issues, but I think that those three issues have certainly are certainly present in our society. But but let me also say one thing: I have not known during the last year any member of AA who has gone out as a result of the pandemic. I do believe, I do believe that we will, when the pandemic is over, have far more people who are going to need AA than before because they will have discovered that they are alcoholics. But um, there is something about the nature of uh, AA or working the 12 steps that enables people to live in a different life. Uh, we first saw this during the Second World War when the issue was raised, uh, our, our concern was raised about alcoholics who were in the military, who couldn't go to meetings, etc. As it turned out, their sobriety rate was higher than non-alcoholics.
0: Because of the pattern of the 12 steps that they are able to...
1: Our pattern of the 12 steps, and their willingness to be honest uh, about their own lives and what they're facing into.
0: Well, that's, 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 I think that probably answers one of the questions um, that uh, I had sent you about uh, an example of transformation, but just to end um, a a couple uh, of uh, uh, questions that I want to combine, if you want to, if you have an example of uh, another, another another example of transformation that you want to touch on in terms of how you've seen AA uh, transform people's lives, um, please share that. Um, but also, what do you think the uh, future, the near future of AA is, it sounds like, or the, a priority for um, AA in the near future? Um, just keep doing what they're doing. You know, be ready to welcome so many people that may have discovered their alcoholism during this time. What do you see as uh, the priority, the opportunities, the challenge in the near future for AA?
1: Well, uh, first of all, let me say that uh, in AA, you on a regular basis see profound transformation. One of my closest friends in the uh, Good Times group is a person who spent a long time in prison who at one point uh, put a gun through his head and tried to shoot himself. Fortunately, he missed. <laughs> he, he was a better drunk than a shot. He was not a good, good shooter. But this person is now, uh, you know, uh, works on a regular basis in prisons across the country with recovering people. He is sought nationally as a speaker uh, and uh, is a very uh, transformed person. For um, some years ago, talking with a close friend of mine who's now dead, a, a psychiatrist named Jerry May. And I, I asked Jerry, uh, he was near the end of his life. I, I asked him what the most profound thing uh, came to his mind when he thought of his years as a, as a therapist, as a psychiatrist. And without a moment of hesitation, he said, "How little people change." Oh, and uh, and I thought of my own experience in AA, and I see profound change uh, on on uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, I I think, in fact, that there is a lot that the church today can learn from AA. Um, in terms of the future, uh, well, the first thing that comes to my mind was uh, um, now, that, now, now that we have we're having Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. I, I have reluctantly began to participate in them. And uh, but one of the things I've discovered uh, is that I can go back to some of the places where I used to live and uh, and speak and participate in the meetings. So. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to my old home group in New Jersey. Uh, next week, I'm going to be speaking to a group in Norwich, Vermont. And mm-hmm. uh, so that is it's sort of nice to see all those old friends. the, the, the uh, also, also, I uh, I also want to say this as, as I think about that, is that uh, in, in some ways, uh, uh, AA groups are are not unlike uh, the comunidades de base in Latin America. It is that they are groups that care deeply about transformation, the well being of their members, uh, that are open to various kinds of people being members, uh, uh, and uh, are not uh, structured in an autocratic way. Uh, yeah. Changes in AA, uh, I, I just heard uh, 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 when I was visiting the New Jersey group this Sunday night that, uh, that the General Service Board of AA, which is uh, a committee that's uh, uh, of representatives from various parts of the country and the world, uh, has made the decision that they would uh, make all their literature now gender neutral that, that was a battle that we lost uh, some years ago uh, because people thought that they, they shouldn't do it for a variety of reasons but now that's been changed so that's one way that aA is moving forward I think aA is always uh, adapting uh, you know, there were there were times when uh, 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 there were there were men's groups and women's groups in the early days of aA there was a you know the discussion about whether women could get sober in men's groups for example mm-hmm. and uh, even though we still have groups that are all men and all women most of the groups are mixed and and we make uh, no distinction uh, between uh men and women, and, and mm-hmm. the work that needs to be done in sobriety. I think that the, the most important thing that we have to pay attention to is uh, being sure that we maintain our, our focus as a, as a, as a, as a uh, spiritual development group uh, and not so much as a uh, self-help group. Because uh, uh, many of the models that many younger people have in terms of working on issues today are all uh, self-help models, and the, the the idea of turning your will and your life over the care of God, even if God is defined as you understand God, is foreign increasingly to many people. Yeah. So that is a, a, a focus that we. We just absolutely have to maintain.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much again, Dad, for um, being uh, willing to be interviewed. Your um, insights are always um, helpful and inspiring, um, as as usual. And um, so thank you. And if anybody's listening, our uh, podcasts are available at W. Uh, www.trinitymidtown.org that's our website Um, for those of you who are listening um, via podcast uh, you can go to our website and um, and um, find out all about Trinity and the Good Times group Uh, meet is not meeting in person still but hopefully will and when they do uh, it's at What's the 12, time? 12.15. 12:15, uh, 12.15 12:15 to 1.15. 12.15 to 1.15. Okay.
1: And we were, before the pandemic, we met Monday through Friday. We, we have not established the new, new schedule, but we will be working on it. And hopefully by late spring, we will be meeting back at Trinity again.
0: I hope so, too. Well, thank you very much. And um, God bless. Hold on. Thank you.